Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We would love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit our website at www.lifechurchofrichmond.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Listen to the presence of the Lord. Uh, and uh, I'm going to release the band whenever they are finished so that they can join us in prayer tonight. Uh, I won't be too long. I only want to talk really about one word, and it's kind of been consumed in our songs tonight. Uh, and it may not make any sense at this moment, the word that I'm going to share with you tonight, but it will before we're done. The word that I'd like to share with you tonight is here, H-E-R-E, here. You can put that up on the screen. I didn't say the word here, H-E-A-R, uh, as in what you do with your ears, although I am hoping that you will use your ears to hear what I'm saying tonight here. Uh, as is true in so many things in life, I think we struggle sometimes to verbalize the internal struggles that we may be facing. We as humans are caught up most of the time in one of two places. Uh, we are either living with our eyes looking at the past, regrets, failures, struggles. Yes, all of those, but not just bad stuff. Uh, sometimes we spend half our time reliving our glory days, the stuff of folklore and yesteryear, the stories of great triumphant exploits that over time become more fiction than fact. Uh, the home run that cleared the fence by at least 100 feet and was equivalent to uh, the dramatics of Babe Ruth when in actuality it was a really weak single that skipped through and then there were three errors that followed that managed to allow you to go all the way around the bases. But over time it becomes a great exploit, doesn't it? Because we remember things in the past with great triumphant exploits. Uh, but we find ourselves looking backwards a lot of times, don't we? Reliving yesterday. What someone did or didn't do, who held you back or who robbed you of opportunity, who said this or did that or hurt you or caused you pain. And yet almost as debilitating as staring at yesterday is many times our eyes are also fixated on the future, aren't they? We live in a world that's full of optimism and hope and neither of which are bad. Thank God that you and I today can look forward to a day when things are better or things are greater. I think as a Christian, I have a hope for a tomorrow that's going to be amazing, that's going to be in the presence of my great God who loved me enough to come and to save me from my sin. A future that's bright and filled with optimism, hope, dreams. Some of those dreams realistic, maybe some of them are not, but nonetheless, it is our hopes and our dreams for tomorrow that many times keep us going and striving for more, don't they? And while our dreams for tomorrow are certainly a worthwhile endeavor, it is our worries for the future that many times cloud our vision, don't they? Uh, we're afraid of what's to come, of what will happen tomorrow, of negative possibilities that have not or may even not even ever likely occur. We live in a fear of a failed economy or another market crash or wars or evil overtaking the world. We cower in fear of a future that is made up by our news media and creative television writers who paid literally to envision the worst possible scenario to keep us on the edge of fear all the time. All this contributes to mass hysteria, a sense of panic that causes us to live in worry about a future that most likely will never occur. So we find ourselves most of the times with one eye in the past and another eye in the future, which leaves us blind to the present. And Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, which 
By the way, Eddie asked us to think outside the box this morning and, or this evening and that Jesus did the same thing with the Sermon on the Mount. It's completely made up of stuff that is contrary to normal human thinking and it calls us to live at a higher level, a level he calls us to be known as the kingdom of God. And in it, he says in Matthew six twenty two, from the New Living Translation, it says this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. In this passage, and I know it was lengthy, but Jesus seems to be trying to send us a message, a very clear message that he is our source, he is our supply, and it is not, the supply of God is not found in frustration about yesterday, nor is it found in worry about tomorrow, but it is actually found in the present, And that's why my fear is that many times we live so condemned by our past or so consumed by our future that we fail to live in our present. That we fail to live in the right here and the right now. Again, we spent so much time with one eye in the past and one eye on the future that we're blinded to a here and now that God is doing amazing things in. He's doing them all around us and we miss the handiwork of God while it is here. In the Old Testament, there's an abundant use of the word presence. Presence, in my opinion, is why relationships fail, why marriages struggle, why people can literally sit at the same room at the same table and be more consumed by the world of social media than by the people that are literally sitting three feet away. Presence. I'm not saying presence with a T, although for some of you maybe You would give presents with a C if you receive more presents with a T. I don't know. But if presents are required for you to get presents, then you're not really giving presents. Does that make sense? Everybody follow me on that? The act of being present, of being here. So I say in the Old Testament is filled with the use of the word presence. And it in many cases was used to signify the dwelling of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, there are things in the tabernacle that are directly related to presence. As a matter of fact, there was a table that they placed bread on, and it was called the bread of the presence because something amazing happened to it as it was placed 
in the presence where the Spirit of God dwelled. It was said that fire went forth from his presence. A pillar of cloud represented his presence, and his presence was so strong at times that it felt almost tangible, touchable, feelable with your own senses to be able to reach out and grab hold of the presence of God. As a matter of fact, David tried to describe what it felt like to be in God's presence, and the best he could come up with was that God in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are treasures forevermore. It was so fulfilling that he couldn't even wrap his mind around the greatness of the joy that he felt when he was in the presence of God. And yet, I wonder why it is that in this day and age, we many times pray and we struggle and we get frustrated because we feel as if God is far from us. Any of you ever prayed and you felt like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounced back to you? You ever felt that way? I have. We many times approach God, I think, in his kingdom almost as if we have a deist perspective where we, we believe in God, but he seems far away and only interested in the big things in life and rarely interested in our day-to-day. But that's not the God that we serve. I believe our struggles, those moments when we pray and the ceiling feels like brass and our prayers seem to bounce back in our face, I believe those struggles are directly related to presence. Are you truly striving to be aware of the presence of God in your present circumstance? Are you living in the here and the now? Are you here? Does your prayer time instead feel clouded by regrets of yesterday or asking God to forgive you for the thousandth time over something you messed up years ago? Is your prayer time more about reciting to God how you were wronged, how you were hurt, how you need, how you want? If that's all you do in your prayer time, it's no wonder you don't feel connected to God because God is here. He is now. He has forgiven you. He has secured your future. You can walk in faith and you can trust in him. Are you striving to enjoy this moment right now in his presence? Are you here? God speaks to us in thousands of different ways every moment of every day. But if we are not living in the moment, we miss out on so much of what he's trying to say. I must confess, I spend so much time worrying about tomorrow and regretting yesterday that many times I miss being here. God, forgive me of all the times I didn't hear your voice because I was not here. Forgive me, God, of all the times I missed opportunities, doors you were opening because my focus was on my mistakes of yesterday instead of the grace you have given me for today. Being here in the present was so important to God that when he provided for the needs of his people, particularly their need for food, he gave them enough for today. He didn't give them enough to plan out a future. He didn't give them enough to build a 401k or retirement plan. He gave them what they needed for today. He gave them just enough supply because he demanded them that they trust him again tomorrow and that if they would live for him in this moment today, here, now, then he would meet them tomorrow morning and when they woke up, he would be enough for tomorrow as well. And so today, on this first Friday, we're here. You came. You showed up. Let's be here in the presence of our amazing God and Instead of our minds being consumed by tomorrow and worried about next week, next month, next year, I'm asking today not that you would be consumed by things that haven't happened yet, times that haven't come, struggles that haven't materialized. I'm also asking you not to be consumed by dreams and plans, hopes and wishes, none of which are bad, but all of which are robbing you of right now. 
Many of us, we aren't consumed by the future, and maybe you're not. Because instead, you see the fu- but instead of seeing the future, you're dominated by your past, your yesterday, your mistakes, your failures, your shortcomings, your inabilities to see beyond your hurts and your trauma and your dilemma. And yet God is here right now in this moment. He is here. He will never leave us or forsake us. He will always be here. Finding his presence is not hard because he is in the present. No matter where it is, no matter when it is, if I want to connect with the presence of God, my presence is what is required. His presence is already there. He will not leave you. He doesn't walk away. It is not his presence that is needed. It is mine. I need to get in the moment and in the presence of God, and I will find him every single time. If I want his presence, I must be present. I must be here. David said this in Psalm 139. He said, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. There's no place I can go to escape his presence. But time is what messes us up. We see things in a very linear progression. We have a past, we know there's a future, we have a present, and we kind of see it in that direction. God doesn't see us in time because he exists outside of time. To God, there is only now. There is only here. There is only the present, the moment right now. That's why his greatest revelation to Moses was his declaration that his name was I am. I wasn't, I won't be, no. Not, I didn't used to be something, I'm not hoping to become something, I am. A very present help in the time of trouble. I am here. I am right now. I am your salvation. I am the redeemer of your past. I am the security of your future. I am in this moment ready to supply your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am. Yesterday I can't change. And I really can't control what tomorrow may bring. But right now in this moment he declares, I am. I am here Be present with me in this moment. Be present with the risen Savior in this moment because he is here. If you'd all stand with me for a moment, we're getting ready to move into the next part of our time together tonight. And as we do, I want to challenge you in this time of personal prayer. We're going to spend together over the next 10 minutes or so. I want to challenge you to set aside your thoughts of tomorrow, to put aside your anxieties about the past. Embrace the right now. Recognize that the presence of God is your present. It is your gift from him, and it is in your right now, here. And he wants us to connect with him in a real and tangible way in this place tonight. We're going to begin our time of personal prayer, and I want to challenge you to truly commune with God. Jesus is in this place. He is here. He's not scared off by your past, and he is not intimidated by your worries about tomorrow. He knows what tomorrow already looks like, and he's not worried in the least. He simply desires to connect with you right now in this moment here. We've got communion available in the back, and I encourage you to take advantage of that. Feel free to observe it as you would like today. But I want us, even before we go and start observing communion, I want us to be cognizant of the presence of God right here. 
As we begin this time of personal prayer, I want you to be in his presence. He is here. He didn't leave. He didn't walk out when the music stopped. He continues to be here, striving with us, longing to be in with us. And that's his desire for you today. Will you connect with him? As we begin this time of personal prayer, I want to encourage you. Find a place where you're comfortable. Get alone. Get everybody out of your mind and connect to the risen Savior who is present in this place today. Can we do that together? They're getting ready to play some music, and as they do, I want you to connect to God today in this time of prayer. Father, we thank you. You're so good to us, Lord. Oh, in Jesus' name, help us to be in your presence today, oh God. Are you hurting broken thin? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling.